Welcome to a new episode of the Nordic Football Podcast. I am Steve Wish and I'm joined by Jonathan for Dugway. It's been a little bit of time, my friend. How's things with you? Hi, Steve. Hi, everybody. Good to be back uh, on the show. Hope you are all keeping well. We've had a summer break in Osvenskan. And of course, Mr. Meatman, you've uh, you've had a little holiday, haven't you? So um, it's been a few weeks since we had an episode, but uh, not much has happened in Sweden because we've had a summer break. But uh, how, how have you been? Well, I've been uh, well. I had a good trip over to Switzerland, um, and then I came back home and got ill. So probably picked something on the plane, didn't I? But uh, been a bit rough the last two or three days. So if I don't quite sound my normal self, then I do send my apologies to the listeners. But yeah, I'll be uh, refreshed and ready for this uh, this summer period now, where there's a lot of um, action over up in in the Scandinavian leagues, Champions League, Europa League, Conference League qualifiers, which I always like. So, uh, yeah, crack on. Yeah, there's a lot to talk about. We've got a lot of listener questions as well, Twitter and Nordic Footpod. Um, we've had our weekend previews um, intermittently at the moment uh, on the Patreon as well. So thanks so much for everyone who supported us on, on, on that, patreon.com slash Nordic Football Podcast. And, of course, on the Twitter and the YouTube. Uh, Steve, we've got a multitude, a plethora of questions this week. So uh, I don't even know where we're going to start, to be honest. But I probably will begin with a listener question um because there's so many and a lot of them in norway we're going to start this week in norway and then in part two we'll head over to sweden and talk about the latest uh, going on in sweden um but steve as we sort of like pick up from where we left off uh, the last episode we we talked about some of the key names key themes of the season so far uh, on the last main show and as we look at the table at the moment um the top three <clears throat> is currently bran third, Tromso second, and Budaglimp first. So it's a bit of a, you know, with 12, 13 games gone, my first question to you is what, you know, what if you're sort of sticking your, licking your finger and waving it in the wind, what, what's the temperature of the Elite Serien at the moment? How would you sum up the season so far? I think if you look at the table, there's a lot of surprises, isn't there? Um, it's, it's really strange if you look at certain positions of certain teams. Ibuda glimped up on 32 points. Um, they went 11 games and beaten, but even they've dropped some points recently. I suppose that's not a big shock. But then, you know, Mulder are down as low as sixth, having played a game less than a few te- teams around them. Uh, Rosenborg, Valarenga are well down there. And, um, you know, teams such as your Tromso, who we'll come to at some point again, just keep winning, don't they? So it's a strange old league table right now, but. What I will say is it's a 30-game season, not a 13, a th- sorry, a 12-game season, as we've had officially 12 rounds. Some teams have played more, some teams have played less. Um, and I think come the end of proceedings, then there'll be perhaps a little bit more normality. But, um, yeah, it, that's not a league table I expected uh, at this stage of the season, mate. Yeah, very strange goings-on. I'll just sort of run through the table. For those aren't aware, Hamcam at bottom of the league. Um, Arlison as well in the relegation zone. Sanderfjord, uh, you've got Rosenborg and Volerenga just above the relegation zone, which is in- incredible, really. We're going to talk about them in bo- both of them in detail. We've got a lot of questions about them. Then you've got Haugesson, Starbeck, Odd, Stroms Godset, and Lillestrom, seventh. Uh, you've got Mulder, um, who really sort of not doing as well as they did last season, are they? Are they currently sixth, 12 points behind Buda Glimt. You've got Sarsborg, Viking and Brand in, in fourth, fifth, fourth and third. And then, as we mentioned there, the, the, the Northern Lights 
Chumzo and Buda Glimpse, top two of the league. This is incredible, really. So um, yeah, it's quite a refreshing table, I have to say. It's very, very different to what we might have expected. I'm sure if we go back to your season previews, it's probably quite different to some of what you would have predicted. Obviously, the champions Molder are not having a great time of it so far. Um, but I think in terms of talking points, Steve, the main talking point that we sort of really have to uh, get into um, first is some sackings. I haven't, there's been a lot going on at two particular clubs. Um, I'm going to ask you some of the listener questions. I mean, we've got Noega Brazil. Uh, at Noega Brazil says, uh, talk about the situation of Rosenborg. Um, we've also got... Uh, a question from well to be honest Steve so many people uh Jao Alberto Collins has talked about Rosenborg we we've been expecting Enger's poor season uh Santon 90 is described I think uh, Rosenborg as a disgrace um so I think that's Brazilian a bit of Brazilian um trying to translate it from Brazil from Portuguese sorry but yeah it seems there's a lot of good Norwegian Brazilian connection listening to the pod which is great to see um so, yeah, Steve, I, th- I guess we've really got to start there uh, with Rosenborg. Um, tell us what on earth is going on, Steve, because it seems to get from bad to worse, and there's been a lot of developments um, since we last had the show. Well, yes, and, you know, it's been an ongoing issue all season, hasn't it, with Rosenborg? Um, the pressure was piling up on Chettle Rectal. We had a big discussion, didn't we, about what we think was the right course of action for the club. Um, he actually rebounded with a win against Hamcam 4-0 and then uh, drew 2 all against Starbeck away. And they came from 2-0 behind to draw in that game. So it looked like perhaps he had ridden out a storm, but that was that match was on the eve of the international break. And you know what international breaks are like. Clubs often do sack managers during that period, and that's what they did. They let him go. Um, I think ultimately the first... 11 games had just not been good enough. 13 points from 11 games. And what they did was appointed Svein Marlin as the manager until the rest of the season. Marlin, who was on the coaching staff, former Ranheim manager, did a good job with Ranheim, I thought, when they were in the Elite Serie a few years ago. Uh, immediately said, we're going to be bringing back entertaining football. We're going to be bringing back the traditional 4-3-3 formation. And I'll be honest with you, I actually expected them to beat Sarpsborg. I certainly expected them to beat Arlesund. And what's happened is they've got worse. They've they've lost both matches, 3-0 at home to Sarpsborg, and then lost to Arlesund, who at that stage only had four points. And Arlesund side who'd lost nine of their first 11 games. They couldn't even get a point there. So this is just turning into a horror show for Rosenborg. 13 points after 13 games. Keep that up, that's 30 points. And, you know, that has seen teams be relegated before on that number. Yeah, I mean, the biggest shock there is obviously that thrashing uh, against uh, against Salzburg, who are having quite a good season. But, I mean, that's just unbelievable, really. So what exactly has gone on in, this, in that game? Because they've lost 3-0 at home, which, to me, um, I can understand why one of our listeners has called that a bit of a disgrace, to be honest. I mean, this is like, this is like kind of, let me put it into context, Steve, because we often describe Rosenborg as like the Bayern Munich of Norway. So this is like kind of a prolonged, a prolonged dry spell, isn't it? Really, this is like a big downfall of a big club. I mean, if this was like France or Germany, you'd be saying this is like sort of PSG being near the relegation zone or, or Bayern Munich, wouldn't you? I mean, this is quite. If you put it into, can you just put it into context how how terrible results like that are for for listeners who may be not aware of how big Rosenborg are? It's a shambles. 
Um, it's unbelievable. I mean, bear in mind, some people at the start of the season put them down as ty- potential title challengers, dark horses for the title. Um, I can't remember where I, where I actually had them. I think I had them fourth, which was probably slightly lower than what some predicted them. Um, no one could have foreseen this. It looked like Rectal was doing a somewhat competent job at the club. And, um, you know, who knows if they kept him, maybe they would have got some results in the last two. But in terms of the Sarpsport game, I think what happened was, you know, expectations were high again. They've completely changed the system from 3-5-2 to 4-3-3. And I don't, I don't really care who you are. That is a massive difference in the space of, well, effectively seven days to 10 days. So that can happen sometimes. Their actual XG in the last two games, by the way, has been a combined 4.5 and they haven't scored a goal. So you could, the new manager, Svein Marlon, will argue, you know, we are creating the chances. We're just not putting them away. You know, a manager can do a lot of things, but he can't put the ball in, in you know, in the onion bag, can he, for the players? Um, that said, in that game, most of their chances, they did come quite late in proceedings when the game was done. Um, more worrying is that they you know, they go to Arlison, a terrible goalkeeping error from Andre Hansen, one of the more experienced players, cost them the goal. Um, and that was, they're always fighting a, a you know losing cause there. I think they should have got something out of the game, but absolutely everything's going wrong. He's, you know, he's been let down by senior players there. Confidence is low. The fans are on their back. It's an absolute crisis. I've never known anything like it. I never thought I would see the day where Rusemog would be so low in the table. Yeah, and it's not just low in the table. I mean, it's it's very, it's very low, isn't it? You know, we're talking about, as I say, they're only uh, just about clear the relegation zone, only four points above um, Sanderfield, who are in the relegation playoff at this moment in time. Sanderfield actually have two games in hand as well, um, as do Wallerenga, who are below Rosenborg in 13th. Um, and, of course, they're six points above um, the, the relegation to Arlison and Hamcam. And, again, Rosenborg have played a game more than both of those. So if one of those was to win, you really would start to see the pressure on on um, on Rosenborg. Maybe even as I mean, relegation is it's too early to. We're not calling relegation, are we, Steve? I don't think. But what what is the main problem besides the managerial change in terms of squad personnel? You know, we've got the transfer window about to open. What do they need to work on to turn this round? Because at the moment, sort of uh, what is it? Fourteen goals scored from thirteen games and nineteen conceded. So it looks like they're struggling for goals. Not conceding a huge amount, but not exactly doing too well either on that front. Well, injuries, again, are a big problem for this team. I've talked about this the last two or three years. They keep rearing their ugly head. Marcus Henriksen, the captain, key man, he's ruled out for the rest of the season with an injury. That occurred a couple of weeks ago. That's a massive blow. Tobias Borkeet often seems to be on the treatment table. You know, Ole Christian Saita's injury, he's back now, but he, he he missed a lot of game time, way more than expected. But there's always someone going down, so they can't keep players fit. Um, in terms of actually on the field, some of these players need to start stepping up, in my opinion. If they can't keep it tight defensively, they've got to find a way to win shootouts, you know, like they were doing last year with um, Tengstedt. Um, you know, they, they got good money money from him. I think they need to splash some cash in um, in the in the summer transfer window, and and get some players in, in in various different positions to make sure they get themselves out of trouble. But um, yeah, they need to start taking their chances, Jonathan, because like you said, fourteen goals in thirteen games—that's nowhere near really 
the required. Four of those goals were scored against Ham Cam as well. So, you know, it's 10 goals from the other 12. I think it's the goal-scoring department where they need to look at more. And and that's where losing 10, 10 step was a massive, massive blow. Irreplaceable player. Yeah, and just a word on Sveen Marlin before we move on. I mean, he's he's not in a permanent role, is he? I, I don't believe at the moment. Is it kind of a caretaker situation? Uh, what are his prospects? Obviously, he's lost two of his first two games. So where does he sit on that? Is it too early for us to sort of like worry about him maybe being replaced at some point or what's his exact situation and how, how do you see him turning this around? I mean, you mentioned the formation change, but what's he got to do now? You know, what's his, and how long can he be there for? Yeah. He, um, former Ranheim coach. I quite like him to be honest. I, I enjoyed the football he played there. He's very familiar with the four, three, three system. I think I read somewhere that he claimed to be a Rosenborg fan. Don't know how true that is. Very familiar with the city of Trondheim, so he knows the culture up there. He knows how the club works. I actually thought it'd be a decent appointment to the end of the season, really. It still might be. Um, you know, I suppose he's on a, a prolonged job interview, isn't he, here now? But uh, I, I just think the presumption was the results would immediately get better. You know, Sarpsborg and then Arlesen, you're looking four points from those two, aren't you? Uh, and they've not even scored a goal, so... Suddenly, the pressure... Is, I mean, I'm just looking at their next few games now. Um, yeah, they've got home games against Lillestrom and Tromso. Away to Godset and then home to Odd. So, it's, and for after that, it's a soft sort of run of fixtures as well. So, he's going to have the opportunity to um, to get these results. More time at the wheel as such. Um, yeah, they can't judge him on two games. But after, say, five matches, if they're still not game wins then I guess there will be calls, you know, to replace him. The last time he was in the league, he got relegated with Ranheim. So I think I actually quite like the appointment though, Jonathan, I must say. Yeah, I mean, reading some of the comments from Rosenborg fans, I'm not sure they necessarily agree with you. Some of them sort of saying he needs to leave already. But, you know, that's Twitter for you. The, the replies that I'm able to load, considering that Elon Musk has uh, practically destroyed the site um, beyond all recognition. But yeah, the few tweets I've been able to read just briefly, it sort of seems like jury's a little bit out of Marlon. But uh, as you mentioned this, Marlon's at the wheel. So let's see let's see where it goes. Famously, one Norwegian manager at the wheel didn't turn out too well uh, a couple of years ago. Let's move on to the issues at another massive club, uh, Steve, because one place below them is Wallerenga. And you know, no disrespect to uh, Glimp, Chomzo, Brown, we're going to get to them in a minute, the, the, the winners of this league so far. Um, but these are two compelling stories, aren't they? The bottom of the table, really, bottom end of the table. Wallerenga, what on earth is going on with them? Um, we do have, I think, a couple of listener questions on, on them. Um, but generally speaking, it's just, you know, what what's, what's really happening with them, Steve? I think that's the main thing. I mean, uh, at EVC1248, he asks, uh, what's, who's having a worse season, Wallerenga or, or Rosenborg? Uh, which is an interesting question, but um, another one from Jenna M20, Jen, uh, she says, where do you think Wallerenga will finish this season? Uh, their form hasn't picked up as expected with the management and they continue to see goals um, in the last minute. So what exactly is going on here, Steve, as well? It seems like another sort of catastrophe club at the moment. I feel like I've been waiting about a whole year for these sort of episodes, Jonathan. We didn't have a single sacking last season, did we? So the shit was always going to hit the fan, wasn't it? In 2023, yeah, you uh, had to hold your tongue for a season, not being able to slam any managers. So now, you, now it's fill your boots time. 
<laughs> 12 months ago, I advised anyone from the hierarchy of Valorenga to listen to this show that they should should sack Dargaila Fagermo. And they didn't do it. And it was actually a good decision from them because he had a really good second half of the season. And, um, you know, I held up my hands and said, fair play. I, 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 I thought he had lost the team, the dressing room, everything, but he managed to rebound. Um, but what hasn't happened is they just haven't kicked on the start of this season. You know, 10 points from 11 games. I think the big turning point was the derby match against Lillestrom, where they were 3-1 up and they lost 4-3. I th- I don't think really they mentally recovered from that, even though some they did bag a couple of wins afterwards. Um, it was against poorer teams, though. So, you know, since then, it just hasn't gone their way. Um you know, lost against Starbeck, another local derby. When you when you keep losing to local teams, that's infuriating for fans, isn't it? I mean, it's like you losing to you know. I'm trying to think. You know, it's like Leeds losing to all Yorkshire clubs. You get fed up with it in the end. Um, it just it's it's more sort of merit points against a manager um, who perhaps didn't have that much credit in the bank anyway. So the decision was made to sack Doug Fagomo finally after losing against Godzell at home 1-0 on um, 11th of uh, June. And I can't really knock them. I think if you look in the last sort of, I think, three, four years, they've, they've fleetingly threatened to have decent moments. And you've got to respect Fagomo. He's a very experienced manager. He's what he achieved last year to turn things around. Fair play to him. But it just felt like times needed to change. But surprisingly, they've kept on Jan Frodo Nornes as his assistant manager. He's in temporary charge until they find a new boss. Now, Nornes has said he's ruled himself out of it. But I would have sacked the whole coaching team and said, get out of there and just bring in someone else. Um, honestly, it wouldn't be the worst idea to bring back Chetil Rechdal, to be honest. Club legend. I think he could sort them out, Bolarenga. But... Um, Massive club, not just they, 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 we need more from this club, uh, you know, in Oslo. Uh, the, when was the last time they were even in, the, even in the medal positions? I can't remember, Jonathan. It's just not good enough. Yeah, and I think, I think in terms of that as well, you mentioned, um, you know, quite a big club. And talk to us about the player sales that they've had to make over the years, Steve, because they've had quite a lot of player turnover, haven't they? They've sold, they sell a lot of players, don't they? Um, just talk us through some of the players that they've moved on in the last sort of 18 months. I mean, that, yeah. that can't help um, sort of the sustainability of the club, can it? I mean, it's kind of like a Leicester. It kind of reminds me a little bit of Leicester, doesn't it, when you're just constantly losing players to a certain extent. Um, how would you sort of factor that into their maybe mini downfall? And, and just name some of the players they've lost, because obviously for those who don't know. Well, Osama Sahari was the big loss this winter. Um, recently, they've just lost Odin Thiago home to Celtic. It's Players are constantly going out the door. I mean, that, that's what happens in Norwegian football, though. You've got to have a contingency plan, um, you know, going forward. It, it doesn't help, matter, of course, doesn't help matters, but you've, you, that's where you need the operation to keep that conveyor belt going, like I said. Um, in terms of the players on, on in the squad... I think it's a good enough squad that should be mid-table. You know, probably not a lot higher than that, in fairness. Um, but, yeah, there's just a lack of performances. Um, offensively, I think they're too disjointed. 
Henrik Hegheim had a good, well, a reasonable loan spell with them, and now he's gone back to Bromby after a loan spell. Um, yeah, I mean, I just, I'm just looking at my spreadsheet now. There's no way this team should be fourth bottom of the table on just 10 points. Jonathan, they should be doing a lot, lot better. So, I mean, who do you ha- who do you hang this on? Is it the manager? Is it the recruitment? When you four, it- four straight defeats as well, um, a lot of them just by one, by mm. the odd goal. Mm. Is it bad luck a little bit as well, a part of it? Or is it, you know, how do they fix this going forward? Well, metrics, right. They they actually have the the seventh best expected goals in the league at 1.58 per game, which isn't bad. The other end of the field, they've got the fifth best expected goals against. Now, based on that, you'd expect them to be mid-table. So I think there has been a bit of an unlucky aspect to it, yes. That has and that over the course of a season, that sort of thing usually evens itself out. So again, it's often what happens in both boxes, isn't it? Players not taking their chances or you know individual mistakes defensively, costing a team at the at the wrong moments. And um, you know even at the weekend, they did well to get back into the game against Viking, equalise late, um, and then concede in the ninety sixth minute. So that rather sums up Volarenga, doesn't it? Um, I saw enough in that fixture to suggest that things might potentially improve, but they need to sort a permanent manager situation out really um, as soon as possible. But I would expect them to finish around eighth to probably eleventh now this season. There's enough quality in this squad to go down. But we've said, you know, we've said this before. This big teams have been relegated from Elite Serie in recent years. Yeah, and it was a brilliant uh, winner. Um, to sort of win the game for Viking uh, at the weekend um, from Sandberg, lovely left foot free kick in the 96th minute. So a real heartbreaker for for Wallerringer, who had obviously uh, got back into the game with an 85th minute penalty from Strandberg. Um, I think one observation I have with with the Wallerringer is they so they seem to be so open. I think in transitions at times, um, I just think defence to attack, uh, sorry, attack to defence transition seems to be very open. Um, on occasions, don't know if that's a new manager thing or if that's been a, a hanging issue, but yeah, maybe stability wise. Um, are there any transfers that they could, um, you know, could could help them in this, in this summer window coming up? And how badly would they miss Harm? Because he uh, tell us what Celtic fans can expect from him. Well, he's a raw young talent, still. I think he's good, good, really good technical ball striker, passer, got decent vision. Lacks a little bit physically, perhaps he might have to toughen up a little bit in those uh, in the Scottish league. Um, you know, where, where players will get stuck into him hard, so that could be something that he has to work on. But so uh, they've got no doubt they've signed a really good technical ball striker. I think the rumor is roughly around two and a half million. I'm not sure how accurate that is. Um, in terms of what the Volerenga actually need, they need to replace him for a start in midfield. They need a little bit more quality in midfield, and they absolutely need to sort out the defense because. Christian Borkovic is still injured. This is now a year and a half out. And I think we've got to write him off. He's only 25 years old, but he may well be finished because this knee injury or whatever, it's just taking too long and he's having setback after setback. Horrible story, but he may well be finished at this level of football. So it would be a real shame. Um, Supposedly he's due back in August now, I think, but I believe it when I see it. Um, so they need to sort the right-back situation out. They need probably another centre-back now that Hegheim's gone. And uh, so that's 
definitely some big areas. And then offensively, I think they need to work out who the hell they're going to go with. Someone needs to sort out Turgo Berman's form, or I could see him leaving the club. You know, off Keir and Harkins have got quality in them, but they're not producing. Off Keir was brilliant last season for Sandefjord. He's hardly, he's had just two or three decent games this term. So the manager, the ne- next manager just needs to get the most out of that attacking unit because there's decent youngsters like Dick Oeng, Jatta, you know, like I said, Bjordal's there. Yeah, the, the talent, there's enough talent. They do need to reinforce in some areas, though. And just in terms of Holm, um, you've mentioned him there as a sort of an attacking player, maybe maybe slightly sort of lightweight physically. Is is Brendan Rodgers a player, a manager that would sort of enjoy enjoy working with him? If you know what I mean, can he can he be someone that um, improves him as a as a player? Uh, and you know what kind of style of player is he? Because obviously, um, two thousand three born, so he's 20, 20 years old. But what what kind of style of footballer is he? I think Brendan Rodgers has a good reputation with youngsters, does he? You might know better than me there, actually. Um, great high, really, for Celtic. Quite a coup, isn't he? Um, to be honest, had success there before. Should dominate the league. Um, so, yeah, what sort of player is he? He's an exciting player to watch. He's not a boring player. Good technically. Got some skills. And it'd be interesting to see him develop. He's still really young. Uh, plays centrally, sort of attacking midfield role. Um, and um, I'm expecting him to go well at Celtic. Yeah, good stuff. Brendan Rodgers, obviously, uh, left, leaving Leicester and has now got returned to Celtic just in terms of the, the transfer itself because uh, I don't think we did discuss it too much detail. I mean, he's only made 10, 10 league seven appearances this season, um, but the transfer is about €3 million, Euros according to the transfer market. So uh, massive um, outlay, really, for, for a Norwegian talent. A Norway under-21 international central midfield player at 20 years old. So, I mean, I, I've seen a bit of him and I think he's got real potential. So um be very interesting to see how he adapts to the Scottish League, especially as a league that kind of, at times, um, technical players, you know, depends how they'll, how they'll fare in, in quite a physical league with a lot of second balls. But let's let's move on. Uh, that's that's Odin Holm. Uh, we've still got quite a few other talking points on this show this week. Um, so we'll stay in Norway. Of course, Steve, uh, let's ask you about... Um, Let's move on to a question about Tromso, because obviously Glimta Top, don't think many people would be too surprised about that, but I'm pretty sure a lot of people would be fairly surprised about the team that's in second place here. Um, what is going on? I mean, I know earlier in the season you've kind of talked them down, said that we shouldn't really pay much attention to them. I think it was a kind of, um, just quoting you a little bit, uh, Luka Stefanovic at Foki CS says a little bit about Tromso's current run, please. Um, and a few other questions as well about Tromsø from from listeners. So, tell us. Well, um, to be honest, I'm still kind of putting them down a little bit because I, I keep looking at their metrics, and they, there's no way they can keep sustaining this at all. Um, but they have won five games in a row in the league, and they're up to second place. They've got a game in hand as well on um, Buda Glimt. In fact, I saw Heskibo. A big fantasy guy, uh, and I know he has listened to this podcast in the past. Tweet something interesting on um, it was while Buda Glimp were losing against Mulder. I think tongue in cheek, he said the Elitisarian title is in Tromso's hands if results stay as they are. So at that stage, if they had won all the remaining games, they'll be champions. But if they if they get in the medals, I'd be stunned. 
I really would, um, because this is when we're talking some stats now. And, you know, their expected goals per game is 1.07, which is the fourth worst in the league. Now, they've averaged 1.42 goals per game, so it's a significant overachievement. At the other end of the field, they actually have the best defensive record in terms of goals conceded at 0.92 per game, but their XGA is 1.51. Now, I'm sorry, that's just lucky. Both ends of the field. And when, when those combine, then you end up with a team that significantly overachieves for a while. So that they cannot sustain that unless they obviously improve their actual performances or metric performances. So you know, you've got to give them a lot of credit because you know they find a way to win games, but I just cannot see them keeping it up, Jonathan. I really can't because when I watch them play, they only they never dominate games. They just do enough and you know they've scored a few late goals in fixtures. Well set up, well disciplined, but I can't get excited about them because their underlying metrics are so they're not just poor, that they're really poor, you know. Not just poor, but really poor. That's the uh verdict of Meat Man Soccer on the second best team in Norway at the moment in terms of points. Fair enough. Um, I, I guess from that, you're expecting a correction then. I mean, you predicted them pre-season to be mid-table. Um, you've got them as ninth in, in pre-season. Do you want to sort of revisit that, or are you still thinking that they're going to sort of fall away and, and end up around ninth? Well, they'll fall away. It's just a question of by what degree. And um, I think it's more about what teams I think will finish above them. I certainly think Mulder will finish above them. Brand should. Viking probably will. Sarpsborg, I think, play better football, although they're more streaky. So that alone is, what, what four or five more teams that should finish above them. Lillestrom may well eventually. I think seventh or eighth, maybe for Tromso down the line. Um, it's just a remarkable run, though, I must say. Um, yeah, the manager himself has got the absolute most out of the team. You've got to give credit to Gauda Hellstrup, who's proving himself to be one of the best coaches in this league. That's what football's about, really, isn't it? Getting the most, you know, the app extracting the maximum from your players and turning it into result game managing um, fixtures, things like that. So he, at the moment, has to be coach of the season without question. Um, but, um, you know, Tromso fans will be getting excited, though, and I don't want to piss on their bonfire too much here because these are obviously good times for them. And I know there's a lot of Tromso fans that listen to this podcast. But I, I honestly, I'm the sort of person, I've just got to, I'm not just a results man, me, Jonathan, um, in sport. It's got to look good in terms of on the eye and it's got to look good statistically as well to convince someone like myself. I, I don't know how you feel about that. Yeah, I mean, I'm not seeing as much Tromso as you you have, so I'll yield to your superior knowledge on that. But what a great time for Tromso fans. I mean, obviously, they've been lived in the shadow of Buda Glimp for so long at the moment. I mean, they're still technically in their shadow at the moment, obviously, Glimp top of the league. But but um, it's good to see them having a fight back, really. Uh, and since they lost that derby game uh, against Glimp 3-2, they've actually won five straight. So certainly can't be criticised. I mean, my Traore, someone I've liked a lot, played in Sweden. Um, he's. I've seen him getting on the score sheet a couple of times. Steve, who who are the key men behind this uh, rise of of, of Trump's? Well, Vegard Erlians had a good season. They brought him in from I think it was Ranheim uh, for a free. Um, scored fourteen goals in the Obos last year. He's looked good from the penalty spot. He scored from open play, so he's been a, a key player for them in, in the offense. Defensively, um, 
I think Nicholas Vestalens has a great year again for them. Gunderson's been solid um, as well. And the goalkeeper, Jakob Horgard, I think, has had an exceptional campaign. Um, really impressed with Horgard, former i.e. core player, of course. So, yeah, th- those are, I would say, probably the key individuals. Um, they've actually had a few injuries as well, so it's not like it's been plain sailing for them. Um, so to be where they are is pretty remarkable. Um, indeed, and, you know, the only real downside for them recently is losing the derby to Buda Glimt in both league and cup. They had a gut-wrenching defeat against them in the cup. They were 2-0 up with 15 minutes to go and they lost with uh, two goals in injury time last week. So, you know, many a team would have folded the next round, wouldn't they, after that? But they went to Lillestrom. It's a tough place to go and won 1-0. So, um, you mentioned Maya Traore there. He got the goal. A decent player, actually, when he stays fit. He's always got a niggle of some sort, but he's a decent enough player. Um, yeah, good luck to them if he can keep this going. At the end of the day, every single division, every single season in different countries, there's always an overachieving team, right? It happens. It's football. This It might be their year. You know, whoever does well is going to overachieve metrically speaking, aren't they? So can they keep it up? What they can do is, is maybe improve the level of performances. Maybe they can sign some players and then you know, then they're actually maybe dominating games more. So it's interesting if they can kick on from this point. Yeah, great stuff. So congratulations to Chomzo. They're having a good season and uh, it'd be wrong of us to knock them too much. But as you said, that you're not only looking at, at results, you're looking at trends and performances. That's what you're That's what you're um, brought here to do on the Naughty Football Podcast. So, so good insight there, valuable insight. Um, I'm going to move on to Glimt. Uh, and there's been a controversy in the game against Mulder. Uh, Steve, let's just tell us what happened in this game first. Um, who won? Or what was the result? And um, a little bit of context between the two teams, like going into this match. You know, how were they faring? Because it's been a um, up and down season for both of it, hasn't it? Tale of two, tale of two teams. Yeah, um, but this felt like a big game. Buda Glimp came into it off the back of losing to Godset two 0 which no one saw that result coming. It was a real shock. Um, presumption was they would, they would rebound. But Mulder, remember, beat them three times in competitive competitions last year. And I, I I think there was some... I had this feeling inside me that they maybe have got their number a little bit with the tactics and formations and stuff. But after 14 minutes, Mulder were reduced to 10 men. Um, the goalkeeper, Karlstrom, got sent off. I think someone actually asked a question about this red card. Um, I can't remember who it was and asked what I thought about it. I don't think it was red. It was on VAR. The goalkeeper came out of his area, hit his chest onto his arm, and the referee sent him off. Now, I think that was harsh. You know, it's not like it was deliberate handball. I don't know what the letter of the laws are. Again, I'm not going to get involved with that bollocks anymore. Um, but um, it looked to me like it should have been a yellow card and get on with the game. Nevertheless, you two, uh, down to 10 men, away at Buda Glimt. Disaster. But Mulder scored two goals in that... Um, I think in the first half, I'm trying to remember exactly when the second goal was scored. Bryn Hilton on the break got a couple of goals against the 10 men. So, I mean, that really put the cat amongst the pigeons and uh, it took Buda Glimt the whole second half to eventually equalise. They hadn't expected goals. I think it was 5.3 in this game. That's the most I think I've ever known in a, in a league game anywhere. Like, seriously, I think um, 
that's an outrageous number of expected goals in one match for them to only score two goals. But Ulrich Soltanez, who's recently back from injury, bagged an equaliser, 93rd minute. That's a big goal for Glimp because, you know, they, they couldn't afford to lose to Mulder again. It keeps them 12 points above Mulder. I still think Mulder are the team they fear the most out of all those chasers. So it, 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 as long as they kick on from that and, and get a few more results, then... Um, he should be all right for Buda Glimp, but it was a worry for them when the 2 0 down against 10 men. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> we've got Europe coming up as well, Steve. Where are the Norwegian teams sitting in that? We've got competitions to, to, to think about, uh, teams at the top, obviously, that you know that can affect rotation and stuff like that. Where just give us an overview of that before we wrap up part one uh, yeah. on this show. Well, I think Molder, obviously, in the Champions League, it's a tougher run because you're playing better teams. Uh, and they've suddenly hit an injury problem. Um, uh, some of the squad are struggling with, with with injuries, and that could be a problem for them. Buda Glimp, we know around this time of year, can start to become vulnerable, but they're in the Conference League qualifier. So the first couple of fixtures, they'll be well-seeded now for that, Glimp, because they've had some good seasons. Um, they should get through fairly straightforward, I think. I've not looked at the draw or anything like that. Um, but... Um, it shouldn't get too tricky for them. Brann are obviously in Europe now because they won the Norwegian Cup. And I'm really, really worried about Brann's squad depth. They've just lost a couple of players, um, Wolf and Rasmussen. They've sold to, I think, Belgium and Holland, respectively. Got some money for it, but their squad is really lacking depth. And that could be a massive problem in Europe. So, you know, that, the, who, the teams that are not in Europe, you know, Tromso, Viking, Sarpsborg, maybe be licking their lips potentially. Um I'm not sure I'm expecting an awful lot from the Norwegian teams in, in these qualifiers. I think that it's not easy for them. Not easy for them. And that is the verdict of Meat Man Soccer. I mean, Mulder, a word on them, Steve. Do you, do you think they can turn this season around and maybe compete for the title? Or do you do you consider them out of it? They, they should finish second. They're still by far, them and Glimt have the best two squads, hands down. It's not even close. So Mulder really should eventually rebound you know other teams will drop points um i still think they'll finish in second place buddha glimp should win the title from here Mulder in second place take your pick for third could be anyone um but uh yeah I, I, Mulder somehow just balls up with those losing those five games early on um in the first 11 uh but they will pick up form again but you know with europe now knocking on the door that they might drop some points as well. But uh, in terms of the squad, it's, it's still fantastic. Yeah, and a couple of questions. Just want to get, just want to make sure you actually clarify um, your answer to Jen's question, Steve. I'm not sure if you did about where Valorunga will finish. I'm not sure if you did answer that, or maybe I might be mistaken, but you got a verdict quickly on that one, maybe just in a, in a word. Or 9th to 11th. Yeah, 9th to 11th, I think Valorunga will finish now. 9th to 11th. Thanks so much, Jen. Um, and then we've got a couple of questions around Glimp before we wrap up uh, part one, Steve. Um, first one I'm going to ask you is Vettelson and Mvuka replacements for Buda Glimp. That's from Guppy FPL at Guppy Fish, um, whose bio says N'Golo Kante is the greatest footballer to step foot on planet Earth, which uh, I find it hard to disagree with that, to be honest. Um, and so what are your thoughts on that, Steve? And then also Giao Alberto Colling, hopefully I've pronounced that right. Uh, at Jack Holling, the Casper Ho transfer room and the rumours of interest from Buda Glimt. So Casper Ho, um, who I might might be one of the 10 to watch, I can't remember, Vettelsen and Mbuka 
replacements for glimpse so just tell us about the transfer window um of glimpse and the rumors and that they've lost hugo vettelson and they've lost um joel mugisha we knew about mugisha from the start of the season he goes back to lorient um 5.5 million was that uh, transfer um vettelson has again got them good money um to bruges rumored to be i think was it seven or eight million so um in terms of replacing them Ulrich Saltner's come straight back into the team he's been injured all year so it's almost like for like in a way i'm sure they'll get someone else as well but um it's handy that Saltner's is coming back there and i said at the start of the season watch out for this lad nino zugail who i think will get a lot more minutes now he scored a goal against tromso in the cup recently he'll play on either wing cut inside he may well take mogisha's place um as for casper warts ho i don't i actually don't think a target man striker like him suits the glimpse system it didn't work with lars jürgen salverson he's very very similar to him um so i wouldn't go down that route if i was them i don't think big target man striker works for for glimpse so i actually don't like the idea of that signing if they go ahead with it where where would be a better fit for him because he's having a decent season Well, if I'm Rusebog, I'd be. They need a goal scorer, a big lad. Um, could do a lot worse, you know. Especially, you know, I think he, he's looked really good at Starbeck, and um, I think that I think that what's happened is Starbeck have snapped him up on a transfer. He was on loan. They've um, gone for the permanent deal, but he's going to leave straight away somewhere because he's obviously caught the eye so much. Yeah, another ten to watch from the Nordic Football Podcast for the mid-season transfer. So um add those to the numbers down the years. Yeah, there's quite a few of them actually, and there's one we'll probably talk about in part two. Um, so there's definitely definitely been pretty prolific patreon.com slash Nordic Football Podcast if you haven't listened to our 20 to watch in Norway and Sweden um this season, because quite a few of them are already getting big moves. Uh, and as we'll talk about that as well in part two. Um so good shout, good call out there, Steve. Good nice work. Um and before we wrap up, Steve, just uh, who are the top scorers in the league at the moment? Do you have that, that that's a hand? Uh, top assist providers? Pellegrino, probably. Um, if we look, yeah, Pellegrino, 12 goals. Bod Finner, 11. Akor Adams, 10. And Pemi Mumbania, 9 for Budiglim. Early in with seven goals for Tromso, ranks up the top six scorers. That'll do for part one. Thanks so much to all the listeners for your questions. Really appreciate it. In part two, we will talk about uh, Sweden. Osvenskan's back first week uh, since the summer break. And we'll look at a lot of transfers that have taken place and a lot more. There's been a few other managerial sackings. So stay tuned for part two after this short break. Welcome back to the Nordic Football Podcast. I'm Steve Wiss and I'm with Jonathan for Dugba. We're going to talk about the Swedish Allsvenskan now, which has returned from its um, early summer summer break. Uh, we've actually not missed an awful lot, really, since um, in terms of on the field, since we last did an episode, I don't believe, uh, Jonathan. But nevertheless, I will actually uh, run through the results from this weekend. There weren't that many goals around. Six 
out of the eight fixtures did end under two and a half goals. Malmo three, Sirius nil, Degafors nil, Varnamo two, Bromma Poikana nil, Icor two, Norshipping and Hecken drew two all, Almstag nil, <clears throat> EF Court, Gothenburg nil, Jorgan with a two nil win over Varberg, Mialbi one, Kalmar one. And Elspore keep going on strong with the two and the win against Hammerby. Um, what we're going to start with here is, um, and, well, it's a, it's a theme of sackings, isn't it, this show? Um, Eichhoff sacked Brandstrom, Henningberg, new manager. When did this actually happen, Jonathan? What time scale? Because I, we know he's been under pressure all season. You actually predicted this would happen as early as round two, I think. Um so no surprise to you, but uh, tell us the time scale in, in the chain of events which led to this. Yeah, it's a great question, actually. And uh, thanks for everyone who's subscribed to our YouTube channel, uh, YouTube Nordic Football Podcast, um, hitting 500 subscribers, more or less. And also uh, who's subscribed to the Patreon as well. Really appreciate your support. Um, just to just to quickly say that before we get into part two. But yeah, um, the timeline for this was was it's quite strange, actually, Steve, because you, you did mention there um with all respect to Brandstrom, uh, he's had a decent career to date, and I'm sure he's going to learn a lot from this. Um, you know, the former Mialbi manager, I have to be honest, Steve, he had a bit of a haunted look about him from day one. I mentioned it in the early podcasts. I just said, you know, without wanting to condemn a man before he can even get to work, I just said it hasn't just has a little bit of a, it just seemed to me in public to sort of um, not have a complete grip of the situation of the club. And I think for any manager going into like a massive club like Oikor, you know, they're one of the biggest teams in Sweden. They're not maybe expected to win the league this season, but they're expected to have a good season. And I think sometimes for managers who from smaller clubs who get a big job, you need, even if you don't have the, a big reputation behind you, you need a big personality to go into a club from day one and, and say, right, this is my stamp on this club. And anyone who's not going to buy into it, you're out. And to be honest, Steve, it's not really easy because as a manager, there's a lot of politics going on that you can't control. You, you. I'm pretty sure Brandstrom was not in charge of some of the recruitment this summer uh, or this winter, sorry. So I don't even think some of the players he really wanted around, maybe a lot of fallouts of players. Um, but in terms of the time frame of it, obviously we just come back from the summer break. You would have thought, Steve, with a three-week break, uh, get rid of your manager then, bring in someone new and let them have the time to work on training. Um, but they've done the complete opposite of that. They've brought them, they've they've let him manage the club throughout the whole of summer break. Um They've won 2-0 against Bromapoik and a decent result away from home. Um, got themselves back on track, their first win in quite a while. You know, looked like they may be about to sort of get things moving again with a clean sheet. And then sacked the manager the next day, pretty much. Uh, it was an extraordinary board meeting was called, apparently. Um, the directors, obviously there's a lot of changes going on, Steve, at Oikor at the moment. They've got a new um, sporting director, a new chief scout, which we could talk about in a minute. Um, a lot of behind-the-scenes things going on. And I guess at that extraordinary board meeting, they've come to a decision that Brandstrom's no longer the man for them. They've got rid of him and they've immediately, pretty much within an hour or so, announced Henning Berg, former Manchester United treble winning manager, um, as their new manager. Now, Berg comes in with a decent reputation. He will be expected to lift the club. But I do think that the timing of it is a bit weird because, um, as I say, they just won a game. You always want to give a manager a bit of a chance, but I feel like the decision has probably already been made. Um and they were just waiting for the right time to announce it, maybe. Hmm. I must say, it did seem like a weird chain of events. Um, you know, they win and then they sack someone. But yeah, probably already decided, whatever the outcome there. Um, Henningberg, I mean, 
I don't know an awful lot about him. I think mean, I remember he he managed at Starbeck a few years ago. Um, my mind is blank. <laughs> like I generally can't remember anything about that spell he had at Starbeck. I don't know why. Nothing st- sticks out in my mind. He is known for being a bit of a no-nonsense sort of guy overall, isn't he, though? So maybe that's what... It was a big character. Perhaps that's what AK need. Well, an interesting thing is, um, you mentioned the spell there. I mean, do, can, can you remember his spell at Blackburn? He was actually manager of Blackburn. No, I, 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 look, I was just looking actually now at his managerial <laughs> appointments, right? I'd forgotten about that. Um, Lynn, Lillestrom, um, Blackburn, Lecce Warsaw, Videoton, which I think is Hungary, I think, Starbeck, Ammonia, Paphos. So he's he's been sunning himself in Cyprus for a while. Um, yeah, I can't remember what his actual managerial style is like at all. Um, just the man himself always comes across, across as quite domineering, you know. Hundred percent. Obviously, been a part of a really successful team. Obviously, troubles are troubles are in fashion at the moment, aren't they? With a certain team across uh, across town. He was part of the Man United treble winning team. Yeah, Berg was Berg was a starting really one of the main. He was players, a starting centre back. No, was he? Well, it was Stam and Janssen, and Berg was there as well. The first back, yeah, Ronnie Janssen. Yeah, fair play. Fair play. So he was part. I, of that I, see, I can't remember that either. Well, <laughs> it was a long time ago now. <laughs> so, but. <laughs> Uh, those who those who are of that persuasion will not forget that team. So um, yeah, he's part of that trouble winning squad. Uh, no sort of no nonsense defender. Obviously, learned under great managers like Sir Alex Ferguson. He he's got his own style. He's been pretty successful, to be fair to him. I mean, we mentioned there he's had a lot of different jobs, um, but he has won titles. He's won the league title um, with uh, Omonia Nicosia in Cyprus in 2021, and he won the Super Cup there as well in 2022. And he won the Polish league with Legia Warsaw in 2014 um, and the Polish Cup in 2015. So he has had some measure of success, as you mentioned there. He, um, I don't, I think he's got Cypriot citizenship. I don't know if that's through being in the country for so long or not entirely sure. I don't know if he has a, Swift, a Cypriot background. I'm not, not too sure about that. But um, yeah, of course, he and also he played, played for Blackburn, didn't he, as well? I remember him playing for Blackburn and, and then obviously got his move. Um, to Manchester United, it was about seven million at the time. I remember that um, in, in the nineties. In terms of how he's going to come in, I mean, I think, I think, I think the clear contrast here, Steve, for me is like it, it feels like they've gone for a manager who is a little bit, a little bit overawed by the Oiko atmosphere. Maybe um, I've mentioned it on this podcast many times. Oiko are in a bit of a mess at the moment. Just loads of accusations about payments to agents, dodgy, dodgy transfers. Um, player signings that aren't really necessarily above board, maybe fake backhanders, favours, lots of rumour and um, accusations flying around. Not from us, I might just add, these are just what I've, what the media reports tell us, so nobody come back to me and say that we, we're making this up or whatever, but these are media reports and um, and investigations that are taking place. And, and it just feels like a club that's, they're trying to now, with sort of various People about upstairs are leaving the club. It feels like they're just trying to sort themselves out now. And I feel like they've looked at the Brandstrom situation and just thought he's not quite authoritative enough, maybe for us. And we need someone with a bit more authority. And I think Berg probably offers that. He's someone who's going to come in. He's a proven winner at different levels. You know, he's managed in other countries. He's won titles. And I think that's probably Brandstrom's CV. I think that's a clear contrast. You know, Berg's a bit of a star in this in this part of the world, isn't he? In Scandinavian football, he's a bit of a, you know, he's achieved a lot in his career. So I think that's the clear contrast, and I think that might sort of cheer up Oiko fans. Um, from what I understand, he kind of he likes the four-two-three-one system. 
Um, so I think he might try and bring in a more attacking style necessarily. They've also announced quite a few transfers coming up. Um, the transfer window opens this week in, in, in Sweden, this weekend uh, on the 7th. So um, I think that there's going to be a lot of changes going on at OECOR. And, uh, you know, let's not forget, Steve, they are doing really badly in the league this season. I mean, that even that win against Bromma Poikin has only taken them to still 14th in the league. I mean, they're still in the relegation playoff, um, even with that win. Um, and it's only the second win all season. So they've only beaten two teams, and both of them from Stockholm, um, Bromma and uh, Hammerby. I mean, it's incredible how bad their season's been, really. You'd certainly expect them to stay up there. I mean, <clears throat> on paper, they've, they've they've got the squad, which should be at least mid-table, you would imagine. Do you expect Henningberg to comfortably lead them to uh, safety? I said I said all along. I don't think they'll. I don't think they'll go down. I don't think EF Core will go down. But as the season goes on, you know, you start to run out of. I mean, we're near, we're a game ahead of uh, Norway, so we're sort of 14, uh, 13 to fourteen games played, and we're approaching fifteenth game. So we're nearly at the halfway point of the season. And if you look at OE Core, I mean, they're, they're five points behind Varnamo, who were in eleventh. So they're still, you know, that's not too hard to make up. But they've got a bit of work to do. Really, they need to get 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 a move on. Um. But there's there's much worse teams in the league, in my opinion. They've got a good squad. I think their recruitment will be decent. They've brought in a new chief scout um, who goes by the name of I think Frederick Vizor Hansen, um, who we've um, we've approached to see if maybe he'd be interested in coming on the show um, to have a little chat. So if if you're listening to this, then uh, you'd be more than welcome. Um, so he's you know going to go in there, and I guess he's he's got a good knowledge of the Norwegian leagues, and it looks like they're going to recruit quite heavily from Norway already. And there's been one or two players mentioned in linked and, and, and rumours. I don't think I'll go down, Steve, bottom line. Moving on to another managerial change. Um, and this regards the bottom team at Varberg. Now, this is, I do believe, an interesting one. I don't, they didn't sack him, did they? Is that being poached by someone else? Yeah, Varberg, of, uh, their manager's gone to Horsens in Denmark. Obviously, he's replacing... Mm. Uh, Jens Bertlaski has just gone to EFK Jotterborg. So um, I believe they're in the second division or I'm not sure if they got relegated or um not sure where they finished last year. Maybe you might be able to back, uh, help me out with that, Steve. But um, he, he's been offered that job. And I guess from Joachim Persson's point of view, me, Varberg, I predicted him to get relegated. And I just feel like it's, I feel like we're looking at the end of the line for Varberg this season. Unless I think mass, they're still looking for a new manager at the moment. Unless they find someone who can really have an impact um, I fear for Varberg. I just think that they, the issues they've had for ages, they they're having now. And I'm not really sure about Pearson in terms of what, his responsibility and all that. You know, this 40 man squad and everything. We've joked about it a few times on the show, Stephen. We in the past. Um, I'm not really sure how much responsibility he has for that. I think he he is someone who generally runs the whole club to a certain extent. I think he's a bit of a Wenger type manager. Um, Varberg doesn't have a big budget, so I think he is responsible for a lot of that. And, just the, the so many players they have, they just don't really have much of an identity. I'm guessing he's looked at the opportunity at Horsens and just thought this is a great chance for me to, instead of go back to Super Etten, um, let's let's cash in my chips and get out to Denmark, try something new. So I feel like um, sinking ship really. Yeah, he's abandoning abandoning a sinking ship. They haven't even won a game of football yet. Um, I've got to be honest, I would be really intrigued what his new club really seeing him no i mean no offense i would not be hiring a manager who's not won any of the a game yet this season but that's just me um 
you know, there's lots of different reasons for, for appointments, but it does seem a bit of a strange one, um, I must say. Uh, not looking too great for Varberg. Just while we're talking about managers, a question here from History Russia, who often comes up with some interesting questions. Thanks very much for this one. How much longer can Marty Sifuentes cling on at Hammerby? And when does Zlatan cash out? Probably in reference to the, the defeat 2-0 against Elfsborg on the Monday night. I actually watched this game. And to be honest, they didn't offer much, Jonathan. I was really disappointed in them. Yeah, well, you didn't help me out with that uh, Horsens question, so I'll start by answering that one myself. Um, they they were relegated from the Super League, and so obviously football in Denmark. Shout out to Henry; they've been relegated, so they're going to be playing in the second tier, Stephen. So maybe just maybe personal thought: second tier in Denmark is more attractive than second tier in Sweden, which he's he's been there and done. Um, just on your point about Pearson not winning game this season, I do think he's got a little bit of ability as a manager. He's obviously brought them up. He's he's done quite well over the years. Barberg. Let's be honest, Barberg are, are a super retin side, really, in terms of infrastructure. They've done really well to be in the league for the, you know, they've been there now. This is what I think their fourth season. So they have done very well to finish where they are. And, and obviously, they, they, always, they always lose their players as well. They don't have big budgets and he, he kind of runs most of it. But I just think that the whole project maybe has come to a natural closing point. So uh, I'm, not, I'm not massively surprised to see him get an opportunity like that in Denmark. If you look at Jens Bertalascu, who we've had on this podcast, of course, he, he's, he's, got them relegated and got the EF core job, Steve. So if you flip it on its head, you know what I mean? Um, they're not obviously that worried about, you know, like that doesn't necessarily impact it. It's, it's more about what he can do as a coach. And I do think Pearson's quite sort of, um, he's got still got a decent reputation. I don't think his reputation is going to fall apart because of Warburg's season necessarily. Just in terms of Hammerby, um, to answer the question, yeah, I think they, again, it's a manager who has been linked with Hearts. A lot of talks that... Um, uh, Sifuentes was going to be either offered or take the job in in, in Hearts in uh, in Scotland, of course. Um, didn't quite happen. I think they have appointed a manager, and um, you know the bits I saw the bit of the Elfsborg game, and Elfsborg were just a much better team. I and mean, we have to talk about Elfsborg in a minute. They're definite title contenders. Uh, I think we have to consider them in maybe almost a two horse race. Um, and I think I think with Hammerby, I, I don't get I don't get whispers feeling like making me think he's going to get sacked or anything like that. I think there's almost a club wide acknowledgement that this season's going to be sort of mid table maybe. I don't I don't think there's I think I think they're almost settled with the fact that it's not going to be the best of seasons and they've got such a young squad. They've lost so many key players from last season that I get the feeling that the the, the expectations have gone down. So I don't think there's much expected of them this year really. So I think he'll be there potentially to the end of the season, unless maybe he gets the job offer. I, I think there's a, a real soft underbelly to that Hammerby team, and that isn't always the manager's fault. There's almost, I want to use the word a bit spursy about them, really. Um, they just collapse too often. They don't show enough backbone at times. That's what I felt against Elfsborg. It was like they had a 20-minute spell in the second half where they actually played all right, but then it was like, oh, we, could, we, we couldn't score, so we'll just give up for a bit more. Um, Sifuentes is a good manager. And every good manager just can have like a mediocre season, can't they? So um, I think they'd be foolish to sack him and more likely to be poached by someone else, to be honest with you, Jonathan. So uh, that's just my well, that, two cents on it. Well, that's the point, isn't it? I mean, uh, you, you know, talking about um, how in terms of the backbone, they're the second, they're the second youngest average age in Osvenskan, um, according to, to mm. our partners by Scout. And, and it shows on the pitch. So mm. I, I definitely agree with you on that. I think... They have a bit of a soft underbelly. I think the transfer window will be interesting, but 
I haven't really seen too many links in terms of the transfer window, so I feel like they, they I feel like they're almost settled with where they are really, and I think they they probably look to have a, a finish as well as they can, and then maybe sort of look to next season and try and give these young players a bit more experience another year, another year in the tank if that makes sense. I'll go again. Yeah. Um... Let's go back to Elfsborg then, and uh, this title race is getting quite exciting. Malmo, 34 points. Elfsborg, 32. Um, I mean, both teams have hardly dropped any points this season. Hecken are actually in third place on 29. Uh, only a two-all draw for them against Norshipping. Um, I mean, there's a few questions going around here. You know, can Elfsborg uh, win, win this league, Jonathan? Because... It looks, you know, the first five or six games like it was going to be a Malmo procession, but Elfsborg have come, um, you know, beat Hammerby there, an early goal from Good Jonsson. It was a terrible, terrible bit of goalkeeping from uh, Blazovic. I thought um, it was a shocking piece of goalkeeping. Then Johan Larsson, my man, Johan Larsson pops up with a second goal to seal the deal. They looked impressive. You know, they did beat beat Malmo a few weeks ago. Um, They're a serious contender, right? You could argue they're the only contender at this point. I mean, um, I suppose part of this storyline is, is what's going on with Hacken. You know, they're now five points behind Malmo um, and a game more played after the draw against North Shopping, obviously, at the weekend. Um, sort of uh, fell asleep a little bit, Hacken, in that game, really, and took their eye off the ball after a decent start. Uh, went 2-1 down, man- obviously managed to get back into it, but uh, threw away two more points after a decent sort of... Um, Decent recovery from from the from the uh, defeat at Uruguay back in May and the draw away to Malmo, so that they've stuttered a little bit and and it looks like the the big emerging contenders out of that is going to be Elfsborg, two points behind Malmo, um, nearly identical record. Obviously they've they've just they've drawn um, one extra game um, and, and uh, Malmo have one 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 extra game. Of course they've got the exact same uh, goals conceded, ten each. Um, Malmo have got a slightly better goal difference, thirty four scored to Elfsborg's 30. So very similar in terms of numbers even as well, you know, things like that. So we've got to give a massive credit to to Elfsborg. We talked about them on the last show, um, sort of mentioned Jimmy Tellian as one of the main main men of this season so far. We sort of re- recapped the season, didn't we, Steve, in, in 12 uh, personalities or, or, or things. Um, and we mentioned him and talked about the work he's done there. Um, again, they just kind of comfortably saw off uh, Hammerby, which isn't an easy game. I mean, you know, their last three games, they've, they've played all the Stockholm Giants. You know, they've played Jurgard and they've played Oikor and they've played Hammerby and they've, they've picked up seven points out of nine, um, which is not bad at all, really. So they, they've more than shown that they can compete. You know, they've beaten, they're the only team this season to, to beat Malmo. Uh, and they absolutely sort of took them apart, really, 3 0. So I think we have to take Elsbrook seriously. They only lost one game. Uh, and that was on the opening day, of course, um, to Hacken. So we definitely have to take them seriously. It's just a case of, can they win the league? Yeah, David McDonald actually asked uh, if you if you think Elfsborg can keep up their momentum. They've lost Jack, uh, Jacob Andreka, of course, who was a great player. Um, and he also asked here about Malmo. Changes at Malmo with uh, Christiansen being out, ruled out injured for the rest of the season. Is Otto Rossengren someone who can contribute straight away for them? Yeah, great question. Thanks for your question. Uh, if you've seen our All Svenskan 10 to watch, then you'll know my thoughts on Otto Rosengren. Um, we've lost one of our 10 to watch, gone to Germany, and Malmo have come in and, and taken the uh, the other one on the 10 to watch. So he's someone I talked about on on that on that show. 
he is in our tent to watch this season and he's got a big move to uh, of course from Mialbi to to Malmo got a shock of blonde hair really brought sort of uh looks like almost like Tintin or something like that I think I would describe uh Rusengren as uh and um very good midfielder very similar profile I think to to Hugo Larson um ball play midfielder maybe not as dynamic going forward but I think um I think he he's he's a more than capable replacement uh, I'm surprised he's not gone abroad maybe but I think it's a good move to Malmo because he gets to play for a big club and experience that so I think it's a naturally good move from Mialbi obviously he would have been well drilled under under Torstenson at Mialbi so uh a good move for him uh it's a it's a it's a challenging time for Malmo actually They've got a lot of transfers coming in we'll talk about obviously Jorgensen maybe in a different show or or we'll do a profile on him potentially uh, a few other players they've got, and of course, Pontus Janssen, um, the former Leeds man of Brentford. He's due to join when the transfer window opens. They've got a few, um, but they have a, they've got a challenging period with injuries at the moment. Um, obviously, uh, Christensen with that really the sort of sad um, issue. I think it's like a heart issue that he's it's going to cause him to miss the whole season. Um, obviously, last in the transfer, and then the issues with Pena and the driving charges, the, you know, the drink drive charges. And then obviously um, they've had a couple of injuries as well in midfield, so they they are sort of rolling a little bit light in that area. Um, but they've got a massive squad, Mama. I was someone tweeted the other day their squad, and it was like I think they got I think they've got twelve midfielders. So um, they've definitely got enough talent. You know, the likes of Mahame CB even haven't really played; he's had a long injury. So they've got a lot of people they can replace them with. But um, yeah, Mama will be going to the market in this window, Stephen. I guess we'll talk about some of their transfers maybe in more detail in the coming week. And just a quick word on the fourth place team, Hecken. A couple of questions about them. Um, apparently, Benny Troyo has been linked with Sheffield United. Don't know if you know anything about that. But also thoughts on their Champions League qualifying draw. I think they've got the new Saint, isn't it? The um, a trip to Wales for them. Well, actually, England, isn't it? They don't even. They're not actually based. <laughs> Wales for the new Saints. Um, but quite an interesting uh, tie there. Yep, they'll be playing Welsh opposition, TNS, and um, formerly Total Network Solutions, wasn't it? I think they changed it to... to I always the remember them as Total Total Network Solutions. It was like yeah. they announced it on the Vidi printer. Yeah. Um, there's a really interesting story behind that club, uh, not even based in Wales, of course. Yeah, I don't know too much about them to be honest in terms of the location, but uh, I know they they the like, dominant force in uh, in Wales. Obviously, Connor's keen nomads as well, challenged them for a little bit, but they seem to have reasserted their dominance. Um, great tie, I mean that's a great trip for for both sets of fans, I imagine. Trip to Sweden and a trip to to Wales maybe to, to or wherever they're based, but you know that would be a nice little all the way trip. Um, I, I don't know what the question exactly was to you, like what is it just. <clears throat> Just some oh Benny Traore to Sheffield United. I mean, I mean that's uh, an interesting link if it is one. Um, you know, I don't know whether he'd be suitable for Premier League football yet or not. But uh, you know, obviously he's caught the eye. Um, you know, the Premier League club are interested. Yeah, the Benny Traore rumours are quite strong. Um, not sure how much longer it'd be in offense scan, To be honest, I think there was a report that uh, Hacken turned down a few bids. Celtic and Rangers are very closely linked as well. Seems like someone. At Celtics, Steve is maybe listening to this pod, or certainly they're scouting the area a lot, aren't they? Obviously, with home and now Traore as well linked. Um, I'm not sure if Benny Traore is ready for Sheffield United Premier League level, 
but then again, I'm not. I don't. I still don't think he's a number nine. So um, maybe he could play as a wide player. Um, interesting one, really. I mean, he's the league's top goal scorer, I believe. He's he's having a brilliant season. He's a he's a top prospect. Um, his emergence has been really good this year. He'll be sorely missed if he left the league. I think he's a top player and and sort of personality, but he probably will leave in the coming weeks. So I'd be very surprised if he's a hacking by the end of this transfer window. Um, apparently, they turned down a bid of three million euros, roughly, or two point five million euros, Steve, which is a lot, isn't it? So they obviously are com- confident to get uh, a big payday. Um, so yeah, that's that's the situation which I always Sheffield United. Ha- there are reports that they are interested as well. So uh, Ajax as well. So yeah, there's a lot of people interested in Benitez at the moment. There have been quite a few transfers out of the league, uh, spearheaded by Hugo Larson to Frankfurt, of course, for €9 million. Euros. Uh, a few other departures, though, to talk about. We mentioned Andreka there to, to Antwerp. And, well, one of your favourites, Victor Edvarsson, has been snapped up by go-ahead Eagles for close to a million euros, which, I mean, I've got to say this one that surprised me a little bit. Um, I'm sure it kind of raised your eyebrows as well. Yeah, uh, I mean, it, it was obviously he was going to leave. Um, it's been pretty well documented. He's been looking to leave for a while now. Um, he's not really. I think, I think, I think your garden. I think the joint managers at your garden just kind of. Uh, I think they were happy to sell him. If I'm being totally honest, I don't think he's. I don't think he matched the hype. Um, obviously, had an amazing season at Degerfors a few years ago and got himself that big move. Had half of the Svenskan wanting him and and a few teams abroad as well. So. You know, he, he he improved himself with that season, but I just feel like Jurgen. I said it many times in this podcast. I think he he's got a definite future in the podcast game. Um, definitely likes to talk, um, which I can't necessarily say. Uh, I can't say that. I can't say that as a criticism, considering we have a podcast. But um, yeah, he he likes to get in the interviews and things like that. He's always got something to say, um, and I I think I've said it a few times on the show. Like he, if he if he could score as many goals as he has uh, interviews, he'd be it'd be like Ronaldinho. Um, but yeah, it's an interesting move. I mean, I was thinking about this, Steve, and I was like, he it's not worked out for him at Eurogarden. I don't think he's necessarily a title-winning striker for a team like that. But if he goes to the Netherlands, he, he, he is still a profile that teams want. You know, he's a tall, big physical player. He's not necessarily slow. You know, he can play off the last shoulder. Um, he can get in a six-yard box and finish. And he's got a powerful shot on him at times when needed. I just think he lacks a little bit of, I don't even know if it's self-belief or confidence or, or I f- I'm not sure if it's maybe small, small, a smaller club suit might suit him actually. And I feel like maybe someone like Go Ahead Eagles could, could be a good fit for him because I, I just feel like the the pressure at Jurgen of being the main striker, I felt that was the biggest thing that he didn't quite adapt to because at Degerfors he proved he can score goals. He was, a, I think, second top scorer or one of the top scorers in the league that season. I just felt that the pressure with so many teams wanting him in Norsvenskan, I don't think he really dealt with it well. I feel like he almost bought the hype, his own hype. That made, I think he drank his own Kool-Aid a bit, became really, really confident and then didn't really back it up with the goals. And I feel like that's maybe his downfall a little bit with Diff. And I feel like they've just been comfortably let him go. I mean, obviously with, um, I think he'll be missed in Norsvenskan because he's a bit of a personality, but but I'm not surprised they've they've sort of um, let him go. I think EFK Jotterborg apparently were rumoured to be wanting him as well. Um, so we'll see how he gets on in the Netherlands. I'm not sure what he'll do. Uh, like I said, he's got a decent profile, so he could he could like surprise us all and do really well. But um, I don't think he's a massive sort of like legendary player, if that makes sense. Um, it's a decent bit of business. Elias Anderson as well will be leaving. It's just been announced today. He's going to Lech Poznan. 
Um, the left back who's been brilliant for for Jurgarden, who have had a decent run actually lately. They've 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 climbed up the table quite nicely, and they're well placed to be the best Stockholm team this year in Allsvenskan. That's for sure. Um, they're, they're they're sort of uh, picking up points. They've also announced the signing of a player tonight. I think Felix Var. Don't know too much about him, but we'll um we'll talk about him maybe on another show. So I guess that's one Var in uh, in Sweden. But um, yeah, so a, a lot of activity going around the Jurgen. Yeah, this VAR guy, um, Angolan international, I do believe, um, looks an interesting player for for Diff. And I agree with you about Advars, and I actually think I could see him going pretty well at go-ahead Eagles. I mean, the amount of goals and chances in that league are very high, so he'll, he'll certainly get his opportunities. And uh, th- there's something about him, it's like, you're right, big club syndrome, it didn't quite work for him, did it? Um, despite having a strong personality, liking to be the main man it just yeah there was some there was just something wasn't quite the right fit was he for Joe Gartner and this is now a sort of a nervous time isn't it for fans of our Svenskan clubs we do often see some good talent leave the league in the summer um you know I could probably see you in two or three weeks time a little bit depressed about you know once more talent departing the league etc etc but it's one good thing is that the fees seem to be slightly going up you know there's they're getting more now than what they used to yeah i mean of course larson um i think he broke the osvenskan transfer record if i'm right in saying and there's been other big 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 moves obviously on dredge because left um uh, lars older larson's gone to nijmegen yeah i mean i'd be open i'd be interested to open up a debate steve is 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 the area divisi actually that much better than osvenskan take out the top three teams i'm not i'm not convinced so uh, I might I might be sort of throwing the cat amongst the pigeons there a little bit, but I I wouldn't necessarily say that maybe Nijmegen is a step up from Hacken necessarily team playing in the Champions League. In terms of TNS, obviously you asked me the question there. I think I think Hacken should win that game, but but um, they are they are struggling a little bit Hacken in terms of players that that are leaving. I think that you know if Sadiq leaves and Trier leaves that that, that you know that's going to really affect them. Um, but yeah, I mean it's throw it out to the listeners. Is Eredivisie that much better than Osvenskan and Elita Seren these days? I'm not. It's a good question. Yeah. Yeah. Take out the top three. Take out take out the top four or five mm-hmm. teams. Um so a player like Edvardson, is it massively is it necessarily a massive step up? I don't I'm money wise probably, but I'm not necessarily sure it's a, you know you get to play in big stadiums like Ajax, but uh, I'm not convinced that the level in terms of technical quality is is that much I think Eredivisie levels drop quite a bit. In recent years, at the at the lower tier of it, um, and if you look at some of the players who have gone on there to that league, they've they've done quite well. I mean, um, so we'll see. I think he, he could do quite well. There's been a few other transfers that we could probably talk about in the coming weeks, but yeah, it's definitely going to be an active period. Um, I think fantasy teams are going to look very different uh, by the end of this month to what they look like now because uh, every week there's going to be players leaving. I mean, I've already got. <laughs> And I'm Benny Chuaro when he's going to be leaving the league because I'm pretty sure he he he's not going to be there much longer. Uh, and as you said, Steve, there's always a few more. Um, but like you said, the money is coming in a bit more, and I think that is raising the level of Norway and Sweden. And I think that is why I say that now nowadays is it a massive step up. I mean, one player who's left, uh, I just want to say one transfer that I, I want to give a shout out to him because we never really talk about this team. Serious, Marcus Matisse getting a move to um to the uh, Bundesliga two. Now I really rate him as a centre back. I think he was one of the best players outside of the big clubs, 
Um, so he's left, and I think that's a really good signing. And you know, he's you know Bundesliga two even is that 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 is a jump up from Osvenskan. Awesome. I think that's a much bigger. I think so. It is that the, the but, um, good thing about good, German football, yeah. But it's a good move for him. You know what I mean? I think I think the level there. Um, I think there was a player who used to be at uh, EF Core who who uh, moved to. Um, to uh to um, second Bundesliga and just got promoted. I can't remember his name now the name escapes me. But but yeah, there's a few other players who have left um the league as well. Um, obviously Hugo Larson going to the Bundesliga, that's a challenge for him. Um Andre could go into to Germany completing his move. So yeah, there's a lot of movement at the moment and, and and Steve, as you know, it will it will continue. Um one player that we should mention as well before we wrap up, of course, is uh, Victor Fischer. It's been announced that he's retiring from football. Um so that that's a real shame. For him, um, the, obviously the issues at Oi Core, he's, he's terminated his loan there, and it seems, it seems like his injury problems have got the better of him at, at 29. So, obviously, if he, if that is the end of his career, we wish him a speedy, you know, an enjoyable retirement. Um, and just on Eurogarden to wrap up, obviously one of the other major transfers talked about Elias Anderson leaving the league, um, going to Lech Poznan. They've already announced um, the replacement, uh, Rami Kaib. Steve, he's a Swedish international, and he's joining from Hirunving. So, he will be. Um, joining the league when the window opens on the 7th um, and joining Eurogarden. So it'd be interesting to see what happens to Elias Anderson if he plays um, in the coming games, because I think his transfer is imminent. Yeah, I'm just looking through some of these transfers now. And uh, what the hell happened to Oscar Linner? He's left Bromer Poikana. Um, I mean, this guy has literally had more clubs than Tiger Woods. I make it like six clubs in the last two years now. Something has gone badly wrong for Oscar Linner. Um, where's he going to show up next? He just can't seem to settle down anywhere. That one caught my eye. Um, final point of order on the show. Wouldn't be a Nordic football podcast, would it, without some talk about VAR? But uh, actually, for once, I've not mentioned it in Norway, have I, really? Um, so let's keep it that way. But in Sweden, of course, our Svenskan doesn't use uh, VAR. We actually had a question about that saying what's the difference between VAR in Scandinavia as opposed to Sweden. Well, Sweden doesn't have it yet. Now, the talk was that it was going to come in next season, but that might well be scuppered now, Jonathan, because there's been clubs are opposing VAR in Sweden, aren't they? Yeah, I just want to clarify uh, on Rami Kaip, he's actually Tunisian international, but he did play for Sweden's youth team, so uh, apologies on that one. Um, the new Eurogarden player. Um, but yeah, in terms of VAR, all the clubs have put out a statement this week, Steve, or a majority of clubs, on their social media accounts saying that they're against VAR. And it seems to be an official position now for the Swedish FA and the clubs. So um, big news, really, because it makes the league a complete outlier, really, if they don't introduce VAR. I mean, they're basically challenging FIFA and effectively saying they don't support it. Um, so I don't really know how this gets resolved, because... I didn't think it was optional, really. So if the clubs are sort of putting out that, that sort of statement, it is quite a big thing. So uh, this is one to watch, to be honest, because I'd say the level of refereeing this season hasn't hasn't been amazing. There's been times where I've thought to myself in games like that, 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 that wouldn't it wouldn't hurt to have a VAR check for that. But then VAR does completely alter the landscape of a league. So I'm still quite anti-VAR. Um, and I like the offense can not being reliant on VAR, but I also can see the benefits to some degree. Um, and also just in terms of the status of it as being one of the only European non-VAR leagues, I just wonder how that will affect the league going forward if they were to take that as an official position. Would FIFA step in and sort of say it's not allowed? Or 
I don't know. So watch this space, but it seems clear that the fans have led this. Swedish fans do not like VAR, um, majority of them. Uh, I don't think many fans in general like it, do they? But um, other countries may be a bit more welcoming to it. It seems like Swedish football fans are really against it. And uh, that's been reflected in what the clubs have done now with this statement. So really uh, interesting one. Watch this space. Yeah, it certainly does seem the outlier. Um, maybe they're waiting for VAR to be refined to a system where they actually approve of it. Um, maybe they're just kind of the uh, pioneers. Maybe maybe VAR won't exist in football in 10 years' time, Jonathan. Maybe we'll go back to how it was. I mean, that'd be wishful thinking, wouldn't it? But uh, let's see. Um, I, I'm quite proud of Sweden for vetoing VAR right now, I must say. In my good books, this league is really is um i think that's it for the show unless there's something more you needed to add jonathan um i think we're done for this episode yeah and we've had we've had a few uh listener questions coming but i don't know if we'll get through them um yeah, I think a few yeah. actually came in while we're live talking. I think we discussed Louis Almeida came in here um, about Hammerby. I think we touched on them pretty well. Um, and then he's on about players returning back to, to Norway and Sweden. Is that a phenomenon? Are they leaving the leagues too soon? That's an interesting point. Um, I think someone did ask you about what you thought of your garden season so far. Neil Dawson. Um, no real talk about your garden yet, but we are kind of running out of time, really. So we might have to wrap it up. Yeah, I think we'll have to wrap it up. I think it's a question about uh, an article from Josimar uh, about David Dacho for fun. I'm not going to get into that now without knowing exactly what the question is and the situation. So I won't comment on that. But um, maybe ask it next week. I think we are pretty much done for this week. Well done, Steve. Uh, we do have more content coming, so keep it tuned. And of course, now that the transfer window is open, it's going to be it's going to be very exciting in the next few weeks. So keep it locked on the Nordic Football Podcast. Thank you for listening. Certainly will. Remember, follow us on the socials at Nordic Footpod, at Me Man Soccer, and at JF Football. And do subscribe to us on the YouTube channel as well, Nordic Football Podcast. But yeah, from this episode, uh, that's it from me. Take care, everyone, and we'll see you next time. Goodbye. <laughs>